Amen. So good to see everyone here tonight. Let's all stand. Amen. As we go to the Lord in prayer this evening, don't mind that. As we go to the Lord in prayer this evening, uh, I want us to go, uh, I want us to call out uh, my brother-in-law, Charles Coates. He is going to be having a procedure tomorrow. Uh, It's a rather lengthy one, and it's an important one. So if you would, please pray for him. Amen. Uh, I also want us to pray for Kirsten. Uh, She desperately needs prayer tonight. I want us to pray for uh, our bishop's wife, Sister Parker. Amen. We want to continue to uplift her in prayer. Sister Bell, we want to pray for her. Continue to uplift her in prayer. Amen. Uh, Carol, yes. Yes, thank you. I was getting to her, but thank you. Uh, Carol, desperately needs our prayer. Amen. Uh, Brother... Yes, I, yep, we mentioned her, but we, what's that? (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Brother DeMuth. Amen. Let's pray for brother and sister Barbet. Amen. There's a lot to pray for. We have, we have. Let's just pray for all of the needs represented in this place. Amen. There are many, many needs, uh, great and small. God knows every single one of them. And He's interested in meeting every single one of those needs. Amen. Let's call out to Him today. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We give ourselves wholly and completely unto You tonight. We are so thankful for this opportunity You've given us tonight to enter into Your presence. We are so thankful for all that You've done in our lives. From the very beginning, You created us and You loved us. You hung on a cross and spilt Your blood so that we could have a relationship with You. Thank You, Jesus, for Your manifest presence in this place. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for each and every one of these needs. These needs are needs that we cannot affect, that we cannot influence in any way with our intellect, our our abilities, our, our own powers. So we turn to You, Thou Most High God, who has all power, who has all authority, who has given us exceeding good and precious promises upon which we stand tonight. These covenant promises. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that You would meet each and every one of these needs according to the power and the authority of Almighty God, according to the promises that You have given unto us as children of the Most High God. I pray in Jesus' name that You would receive all glory and all honor, all worship and all praise because You are our great physician. You are our Savior. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are become our salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. We lift up Your mighty name tonight. We lift up Your glorious, wondrous name. Your inestimable name. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are so thankful for You tonight. We are so thankful for all that You have in store for us. That Your perfect will, that all of Your heart, all of Your mind would be manifest in this place. That we would be bound together as one body. Those present here, those joining us online, that You would bind us together as one to receive from You tonight, Lord Jesus, all that You have for us. That You would release faith into this assembly tonight 
to believe you for all things. Open our eyes of faith tonight, I pray. Help us to see the Lord our God high and lifted up. That your train fills the temple. That you are truly capable of anything. That with you all things are possible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have in store. We give glory and honor unto you tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship and we praise you. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have given us, all that you will give us in this place tonight, all that you have ordained to take place. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we worship Him one more time, church? Let's worship God one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are altogether worthy of all worship, of all praise. You are worthy of all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are our Lord and our God. You are everything to us. You have become all things unto us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We delight ourselves in You tonight. We delight to worship You. We delight to give all glory and all honor unto You. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We serve a God who is altogether worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our full attention. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. Praise God. Uh, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 3 is where we'll take our Scripture text tonight. John chapter 21, first three verses of that. We kind of enter into this toward the end of the story. Amen. We see the disciples kind of wandering around lost, not really knowing what to do. Confused, maybe a little bit fearful, but that's where they're at. Verse 1 picks up and says this, After these things Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed He Himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of His disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing at all. Amen. And we'll discuss, talk, preach, teach on this topic for the remainder of this session. What did God say? What did God say? Amen. We've been talking about this idea of transformation. This idea of uh, God conforming us to His image, of becoming Christ-like, of coming from wherever we're at to a state of Christ-likeness, to the point where we start thinking as He thinks, seeing as He sees. We start doing the things that He does. Amen. But there may be some confusion as to what we mean by that in uh, one of the reasons there may be confusion is because the Bible really speaks of two different types of transformation. 
one transformation is immediate. It's instantaneous. And I think that's where the, the, the problem may come in here. There is an instantaneous transformation that we experience as we come from being a sinner to becoming a saint. And then there is a longer term, lifelong process that the Bible speaks about of transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is that instantaneous transformation. When I, when I was born into this world, I was born a sinner. I was not born into this world a saint. I was born a sinner. That's not what I did. That's who I was. Through and through, I was a sinner. I was, in effect, a child of wrath. That's how I came into the world. And we've discussed this at length. I don't have to belabor the point. I was without hope in this world. I stood in condemnation because of the sin in my life. But Jesus came and He offered me a choice. He paid the price for my sins at Calvary. And so now He's giving me a choice here. I can have Him pay the the price for my sins Himself, or I can continue on the path that I was and at the end pay for my sins myself. I had a choice. I chose, Jesus, I want You to pay these things. And when I submitted to Him in repentance, and I submitted to Him in water baptism. And I, I came to a place where He was able to fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the earnest of my inheritance. I entered into a covenant relationship with Him. And I was transformed at that point. I was no longer a sinner by nature. I was a saint. I was a child of the Most High God at that point. I was transformed by the power of God, by the blood of Jesus. I'm not a sinner anymore. If you're in a covenant relationship with Jesus, you're not a sinner anymore. You're not in bondage to sin anymore. Sin has no power over us anymore. If we get to the place where we do fail God, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. What an awesome promise we have. I may fail God. I may sin, but I am not a sinner. That is not my nature anymore. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a child of the Most High God. I've taken on His nature now. That process has happened. It's instantaneous at that point. 1 Peter 1 and 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. I've been born again, and my lineage is no longer that of fallen Adam. I have a new lineage now. The new Adam. I'm a part of that lineage now, and so are you, if you've been born again. Like begets like. Amen. That's a biblical principle. When Adam fell into sin, his children were sinners. That's who he was. That's all he could produce. Jesus 
is perfect. The new Adam lived perfectly. He was never in bondage to sin. His children are the same. The same DNA. And I don't do him any injustice in saying that. I don't puff us up unnecessarily by saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching the truth here. We are children of the Most High God. We have His DNA in us now. His, we're a part of His lineage now. Amen. Like begets like. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whatever relationship I had with sin is now completely broken. Forever. Utterly broken. It's gone. It, it's, it's, it, it's not there anymore. It, it never existed. As if it never existed. I am not in bondage to sin anymore. Satan is not my ruler and master anymore. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is who I submit myself to. He is who I am trying to serve and to please with my life. Amen. Now my unbroken relationship is no longer with sin and Satan, but with Jesus Christ and holiness. He has called us to a growing, vibrant, an ongoing relationship with Him, which leads us to our long-term, lifelong process. Hebrews 6 and 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Amen. The Bible speaks about this process that we enter into. We are born again. We are transformed from sinner to saint. We are new creatures in Christ. Thank God for that. But God's not done with us yet. There is a lifelong process of perfecting us, leading us into a state of Christ-likeness. James 1, 2-4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Amen. Again, referring to a process that God places us in. Second Peter 1, 4-7 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Again, building on precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Amen. God perfects us, and He brings us into a state of conformity to His character. Praise God. We see promises in in Scripture that God is going to refine and purify His people over a period of time through processes. Zechariah 13 and 9 says, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on My name and I will hear them. I will say, it is My people. And they shall say, the Lord is My God. Amen. And Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried Me. I shall come forth as gold. Amen. So once we enter into that immediate transformation, we transform from sinner to saint. We're new creatures. 
we are also entered into a lifelong process whereby God refines us and perfects us and leads us step by step, precept by precept, line by line, into a state of conformity to Him. Amen. And we see that to be true. New converts, they have a glow when they receive the Holy Ghost. But they are not yet who Jesus wants them to be. Not yet. We see elders. I've seen elders. I've spoken with them. You have. And you speak with them for just a little little while. And you feel this individual, they've been through a lot. They've been through the fire. All of the rough edges seem to be filed off. All of the, all of the, they seem smooth and refined and pure. I've, I've spoken about Elder Brother Abernathy. I was still relatively new in church at that time and, and I, I just greeted him. I didn't know who he was. I just shook his hand and, and I felt that. I felt something in his spirit. And I wanted that. I wanted that. But I didn't know at the time what it would take to get that. See, that's, that, that's the rub. That's the hiccup, isn't it? We want to be refined. We want to be Christ-like. But folks, God's got to take us through some stuff. He's got to pound on us a little bit. We've got to go through some fire. We've got to be purged and refined and beaten until we get to that state. When we speak about the Word of God, the Bible uses two Greek words for that, logos and rhema. Logos is typically referred to when we're speaking about the plan of God, His blueprint, speaking of His intentions, His purposes. That's Logos. Rhema is something else entirely. It's His uttered Word. It's His spoken Word. When God speaks to us personally, God can use Logos to speak Rhema into our lives. Amen. And, and it's a wonderful experience when that happens. We're reading Scripture. We're going through our daily devotions. Aren't we? Amen. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? I'm thankful for it every day. I love getting into Scripture because when I get into Scripture, God speaks with me. He speaks with me. Sometimes generally, sometimes very specifically. And I love when I, when I, I come across the Scripture I've read a hundred times. Just blowing through it because it's part, of the, it's part of the Scripture. It's part of my reading for that day. But then that one day, it just pops it just really, and I can't get it out of my mind, and God starts to speak to me through that. How, how can I apply this to my life? What does this mean to me right now? And God speaks to you, and He's done that to you. That's Rhema, folks. God's uttered voice when He speaks to me personally. And we have got to be practiced. We have got to be comfortable hearing the voice of God, folks. We've got, to be, we've got to get to the place where we can hear Him clear. There's a lot of voices out there that speak to us. And sometimes we may think that's the Lord speaking to us. I've had people, some of you probably have too. Oh, God, 
God is telling me that I need to do this. Well, that's in direct violation to Scripture, first of all. I'm not sure that that's God speaking to you. God told me, I don't, I don't need to come to church right now. I, I can just come when I'm comfortable. I had someone tell me that once. And he knew. He just knew it was the voice of God. I'm like, uh, yeah, but are you sure, though? Because there are a lot of voices out there. We've got to know the voice of God. Folks, His sheep hear His voice. They hear His voice. And if we're not hearing the voice of God, if we're not hearing His voice in prayer, if we're not hearing His voice when we open the Word of God through the preaching of the Word, we're going to be lost. We're going to be directionless. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that orders our steps aright. Listening to the preacher is a good idea. But what if the preacher goes off the rails? What then? What if I start getting out of the book? If you're not hearing from God, you're not going to know the difference. You've got to be hearing from God. You've got to know the Word of God. It's your protection to be led of the Holy Ghost. You've got to hear the voice of God. You've got to know His voice when He speaks to you, especially when it sounds weird. Go speak to this person. Get up in the middle of the night and pray for this person. Well, that can't be God because... I don't want to do that right now. God wouldn't do that. Because everybody knows He he wants me to be comfortable and happy. It's absolutely vital that we hear from God personally. Not just recognize His voice, but that we hear from Him. That we hear His voice and we're doing what He tells us to do. Receive everything that He's telling us. Two verses I want to remind us of before we go on. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. And all Scripture is profitable. Every jot and every tittle is God-breathed and profitable. All those genealogies you love to pour through are profitable and they're God-breathed. Book of Leviticus. All of the, all of the, the civil ceremonial laws is God-breathed and profitable. And you start really understanding some of the Old Testament and what it means to us in the New Testament. You're going to get a fresh appreciation for what the Old Testament teaches and tells us. I wanted nothing to do with the Old Testament when I first got in church. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. It's not for me anyway, right? The thing they gave me in, in the army was a New Testament and Psalms. So that's all I need. Amen. 
Of course, I started where every spiritual man starts, book of Revelation. Oh, yeah. Because that's where, that's where someone who doesn't know anything needs to start. <laughs> you bet. All right. But when I, when I went through a Search for Truth Bible study and we got to the tabernacle plan, and I started to realize what this stuff really meant. I'd never heard that before. I'd never even heard of the tabernacle. I'd not heard of it one time. I had no clue what they were talking about. But there it is, right there in my Bible too. And we're going through Scriptures, and and this is what it means to us today. I was absolutely floored. Are you serious? And after my amazement, I started getting a little bit angry. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I grew up in church. And I don't know anything about this. Don't you think this was important enough for someone to tell me? It's all right, Bob. Amen. Bob says, turn your phone off. Amen. <laughs> someone, someone either didn't know this themselves or didn't think it was important enough to let me know. I was... I, 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 I was furious. I was angry. No one told me this. This is important stuff. This ties everything together. This is all tied together. I was dumbfounded. Folks, it's all profitable. It's all God-breathed. Amen. Romans 3 and 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. No matter what's in the book, folks, it's absolutely true. I don't care if it contradicts what you think you know. I don't care what it contradicts what you've been taught, what you believe, what you know to be true. I don't care that it contradicts anything. It's true. And what I think I know is false. Amen. You may not accept that, but that's how I've lived my life. Scripture is true and everything else is a lie. Or at the very least, not true. False. I don't care if I can see it with my own eyes. Scripture says it's something else. It's something else. Fortunately, Scripture doesn't contradict anything I see with my eyes. It doesn't contradict reality. Reality is based on the Word of God, right? Reality came into existence because of the spoken Word of God. So God's Word is going to confirm everything about reality. Praise God for that. When God speaks, His Word goes forth and His creation conforms to His spoken Word. We see that in the creation week. We see that all through Scripture. Jesus is not bound by His creation. He lives and He exists outside of it. He can enter in any time He wants. He can affect anything about His creation that He wants, including you and me. But He is not bound by it. If He wants to, He can make the sun stand still in the sky. It's interesting, isn't it, that the Bible doesn't say that He made the earth to stop revolving. 
He made the sun stand still. Fascinating. When God utters His voice and speaks to an individual, telling them who they are. And now we're getting into the message proper. Folks, that's who you are. I don't care what you think you know about yourself. I don't care what you believe to be true. I don't care what experiences you've had or didn't have. What lineage you have or don't have. What God speaks to you is true. When God tells you who you are, friend, that's who you are. Period. Noah was just an average guy living in his time. Except that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was simply doing what was right. Living the way God wanted him to live. And God recognized him and God used him to deliver the human race. To repopulate the entire planet. After everyone else was judged. Abraham was a nobody living in Ur. Son of an idolater. Until God called him and told them who he was. He was going to be the father of many nations. You are going to be who I work through. Why Abraham? Who knows? It could have been any number of reasons. But the point is, God picked him out of obscurity. And because of the spoken word of God in Abraham's life, he became someone else entirely. Joseph was the least in his father's house. Except God gave him a dream. God gave him a vision of something greater. Something he was going to become. And in the timing and plan of God, that's exactly what happened. Joseph became the number two person in all of Egypt. And everything in that dream came to pass. That's not who Joseph was. That's who he became because of the express will and, and word of God spoken to him. Moses. Moses was quite content to dwell on the backside of the desert until he saw a burning bush. And the Lord spoke to him and told him what he was going to do and who he was going to become. And God worked through him mightily in signs and wonders and great terrors. And he delivered the children of Israel, from the bondage and the slavery in Egypt and into a glorious relationship and covenant with Almighty God. Amen. And he used one man to do that. Moses. Gideon. We all know about Gideon. He was a fearful and beaten man. He was hiding until God called him a mighty man of valor. That's not who he was. But it's who he became. Again, because the word of the Lord came into his life. And he conformed to that word. David was just a shepherd boy. Just a shepherd boy. The least in his family. Not even, didn't think it was worth calling him to Samuel's summons. But God saw something far greater in him. And when he was anointed and the prophet spoke over him. The Word of God, that God had chosen him and anointed him King of Israel. He became something far greater than just a shepherd boy. Something he never would have became. 
except the word of the Lord came into his life. Peter, who we just read about, impulsive, weak. But God speaks to him and declares him to be a rock. How about you? What has God spoken to you? What word has God given you? What vision, what promise, what dream has God given you? Has it come to pass? Is it in process of coming to pass? If not, I have to ask why. When the Word of God comes to an individual, that rhema, it has creative power, folks. It has the power to rewrite your destiny. It has the power to rewrite your DNA. Who you would have become is no longer a factor. All that matters now is what the Lord has spoken into your life. What that rhema is. That's all that matters from this point forward. When God speaks... It has to happen. There's no way it cannot happen. When God promises, when the Word of God goes forth, church, there's nothing that can stop that from taking place. Nothing at all. So when God speaks to you, when you've received rhema from God, that creative utterance of the Holy Ghost, when you receive that, receive it, folks. Receive it as the promise of God, as the very Word of God. And walk forward in that truth. Walk forward in it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you were. None of that matters. Do you think that Moses was a great man? In and of himself. Do you think that God used anybody who was great in and of themselves? No. God has never had a perfect vessel to work through. Not once. Not once. I'm not counting Jesus. Jesus was perfect. But everyone that God used had flaws, had faults, had weaknesses. But God used them mightily anyway. When that individual submits himself to the will of God, God knows what He's getting when He tells you these things. He knows better than you do what He's getting. So don't think for one second that you got to, I'd really like to, God, that sounds really awesome, but maybe you don't know this. Maybe you don't understand. We've heard that analogy a thousand times and we chuckle and we laugh, but we still do it. We still do it. We still try to tell God His business. We still try to inform God of these things that He obviously doesn't know. But He he does know. When He calls you to a ministry, He knows what He's getting. He knows the process that He's going to need to take you through to get you ready for that. All we've got to do is hear and receive the Word of God and start walking in that. Be obedient to the Word of God. When He calls you to do something, do it. He knows your personality. He knows 
that you don't have time, you don't have money, you don't have talent, you, don't, you can't do anything. He knows all of that. But just do it. Do it. It's like, you know, when we preach... Uh, now, healing is always a good example. We preach healing. The Bible talks about God is our healer, right? And we preach healing. The preacher preaches healing. I've been, I've been in services like this. He preaches faith. He preaches healing. It's all in the book. So then we all stand and anyone needs a healing, come on down. I've come down. I'm still half blind. Well, what happened? I don't know what happened. Is that the preacher's fault? He's not the one healing me, folks. He's not the one claiming to have the power to heal me. When I preach healing, when anyone preaches healing, we're not healing you. God's responsibility kicks in at that point. We're supposed to preach the Word of God. The Word of God says He's our healer. So I'm going to preach healing, folks. I'm going to preach it because it's in the book. I'm going to preach salvation because salvation is in the book. I'm going to preach one God because there's one God taught in the book. I'm going to preach everything in there. Whether people like it or not, if it's in the book, I'm going to preach it. Amen. And if God does something with it, praise God. If He decides not to, well, that's His business. I don't, I don't know what He's doing all the time. He doesn't consult me all the time. And I hope that we're all okay with that. Amen. God doesn't need to consult me or anyone else. I don't know. There are... There are obviously some good reasons, some bad reasons, why people don't receive a healing. But at the end of the day, that's, that's between them and God. That's, that's God's business. I'm just preaching the Word of God. You just preach and teach the Word of God. You're teaching a Bible study. You're witnessing to someone. Hey, the Word of God says that He's our great physician. He took stripes on His back that we could receive healing. You wanna, do you want me to pray for you? Let's see what God will do. We don't want to do that, though. Because what if God doesn't heal them? After I've told them this, after I've, after I've showed them what the Scripture... And then He doesn't heal. That, that's going to blow their faith out of the water. They're not going to believe anything else I say. You know, we, we get all of these... At least I do. I get all these rational, rationales here. Better just to not go out there. Better just to play it safe. I think I read somewhere once, I'm quite certain I did, that the Lord would work with us and confirm His Word with signs following. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. I remember a story that's found in Scripture. Same guy, Peter. All the disciples are on a boat in the middle of a storm. And Jesus is out there in the middle of the storm. Everyone's in the boat, fearful, afraid, thinking they're going to die. And Peter sees Jesus out on the water. And he says, if that's really you, bid me come to you. And Jesus says, come. And what did Peter do? 
well, what if it doesn't work? Then all these other guys are not going to believe Jesus anymore. No, he didn't do anything like that. He got out of the boat. I can imagine maybe a little little trepidation there. He gets on, holding on to the boat. At some point, of course, he's got to let go of the boat and start walking toward Jesus. And he does. He does. We know the rest of the story and all of that, but the fact is, he does. He made a choice to follow the Word of God despite the fact that he didn't know what was going to happen. He got out of the boat. There was nothing happening in the boat. Nothing was going on in the boat except a bunch of of fearful guys. Jesus was not in the boat. He was out there in the storm. I, I have to admire Peter because he wanted to be out there where Jesus was. He had a desire to be where Jesus was working. Jesus wasn't in the boat. Jesus was out there. So that's where I want to be. Folks, when when you receive rhema in your life, when you receive the Word of God, it's going to lead you into situations that are going to be scary to you, very uncomfortable to you. You may not know why, you may not know how, but Jesus just told you, come. He's leading you closer to Him, folks. It's always going to be closer to Him. It's always going to be another level of relationship to Him. Another level of power, of authority. Another level of ministry. That's where Jesus is going to continue to lead you as long as you'll be led. Amen. If you'll receive it. If you'll believe it. If you'll walk in it. You'll see it come to pass. Just like Peter did. Romans eight fourteen through 16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Once again, we need to understand who we are. Who does God say that we are? God has spoken to all of us as to who we are. We are His sons and His daughters. We are His children. Amen. And all that that entails... Think about that. I know that we're, we're surrounded by this. Okay? If you look in the mirror, don't always look like a child of the Most High. I do. <laughs> That's it. Bishop knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. 
We are children of God. We are not sinners. We are not spiritual paupers and beggars. When we encounter a situation or circumstance, we don't have to simply endure. We don't have to simply just hunker down and weather the storm. No, we don't. Now, we're called to endurance. I understand that. But we're also called to battle, folks. We're called to do war. There's some offense involved. We are allowed to go on the offense. This isn't a defensive battle. This isn't a defensive war that we're fighting. This isn't a peacetime organization that we're a part of. This is a wartime organization. And we need to start thinking in those terms. Galatians 5, 16-25, long passage of Scripture. But it says this, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So who are we? Who does God declare us to be? What is the, what is the rhema that's going forth to you tonight? One, that you are a child of His. If you're in a covenant relationship with Him, if you've submitted yourself to the plan of salvation in accordance with the Word of God, you are His child. Also, the works of the flesh are no longer a part of you. You're no longer in bondage to them. They're no longer a consideration, or they don't have to be a consideration. You've been delivered from them. And in replacement, you have the fruit of the Spirit now. Because that is your nature. Your nature is heavenly. Your nature is according to the new Adam. Love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit is a part of your nature now. That is who you are. Matthew 10, 5-8 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Amen. As you have received from Christ Jesus the Lord, so give. So give. He has given us power and authority to operate in His kingdom in His behalf. And that's something else that we need to get comfortable with. You have a measure of delegated authority, spiritual authority, that you are required, commanded, to exercise in His behalf. 
He's not requesting anything of His people, church. He is commanding us to exercise the power and the authority that He has given us in His economy for His purposes, for His glory. Amen. And we need to start getting comfortable operating in that realm. That is not a super spiritual realm that only a few people manage to attain to. That is for everybody. That is for those who believe. Mark 16. What a great segue. 17 through 20. And these signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that are ordained in the UPCI. These signs shall follow them that are preaching and pastors. These signs shall follow them that are labeled apostles. No. A thousand times no. Are you a believer? Then these signs will follow you. And we've got to come to the place where we expect it. We've got to expect it. It's in the book. Jesus said it. I'm not saying this. I'm quoting Jesus. That's all I have the authority to do. Jesus said this. Is He a liar? Folks, when we don't believe Scripture, when we don't believe something Jesus told us, explicitly told us, there's only two options here. I think that He's not able, or I think that He's not willing. So which one is it? If I can say it this crassly, is he a schlep or is he a liar? You tell me. Or is he God and it's most certainly going to come to pass? Again, we all know the right answer and I do too. But am I living that answer? I have to wonder in my own life sometimes, am I really living that answer? I say the answer, but am I doing the answer? Is that who I am? Believing, just believing Scripture. I just believe the Word of God. Do I? Do I live like I believe all of the Word of God? Well, that's something I have to answer myself. That's something you have to answer yourself. Folks, you have an anointing on your life. You have an anointing on your life. A very powerful anointing on your life. Not because I'm saying it right now. I'm just recognizing what's already there. Jesus has anointed you with power and with great authority. Amen. All we need to do is start walking in that anointing. That's all we need to do is start believing it. Just start believing that it's actually true. I know it sounds too good to be true. I know it does. Me? Seriously? He wants to use me like that? And I know, folks, talking about all the voices that come into our head, as soon as God starts talking to you like that, the enemy is going to come and say, that can't possibly be true. You know who you are. You know what you did. You know what you said. That's not you at all. That's not for you. That's, that's wishful thinking. 
And the problem with that is that it makes sense. That's the problem. We start thinking about it, and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's right. And it makes just enough sense to we start buying into it. Stop thinking about it. When God has spoken to you, and I hope you understand what I'm saying, you know that I'm not one of those guys that you want, I want you to check your brain at the door. Come, let us reason together, the Bible says. God gave you a brain for a reason. Use it. Think. Use logic. Use reason. Paul reasoned mightily out of the Scriptures. I'm not like that at all. I, I'm pro-reason. I'm pro-logic. But, at the same time, the Bible teaches us that I need to submit all my thoughts to Jesus Christ. I need to submit this to God. I need to submit this to His Word. And if at any time my logic and my reason contradicts that, it's wrong. So when I start thinking, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. i got to kick that out. It might be true, but i got to kick it out. Because Jesus said something more true. God just spoke rhema to me. That creative utterance. And that supersedes everything else, folks. That supersedes everything else that may or may not be true about me. All of that stuff doesn't matter when God speaks to me. And He tells me, I'm your child. I'm a son of the Most High God. I'm anointed. I have power. I have authority. I have a purpose. I have a place in in His body. I have a ministry that He's given me. He's created me for from the ground up to accomplish for Him. To serve and to please Him with my life. All of these things are who I am because that's what God created me to be. That's what God spoke into my life. Everything else now is irrelevant because God spoke to me. He spoke to me. And that supersedes, that overwrites everything else in my life. And when He speaks to you, when He speaks to you through the Word of God, the Word of God says you're His son, you're His daughter. You're anointed with power and authority. You have great, God has great plans for you. He has great things in store for you. The best is yet to come, church. We haven't seen anything about what God wants to do. You're getting excited about Asbury. You just wait. You wait and see what God is really wanting to do. Praise God. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's nothing for God. God can do so much more than that. They said at the district conference, I think this is absolutely true, when we think of greater, greater things, the the district theme for this year, we think of greater things, we just think of more numbers but the same thing. Just more of the same. That's what we think of as greater. That's not God's greater. God's greater is something way out in left field that we didn't even see coming. And it's just going to blow the socks off of everybody. It's going to blow everybody's mind. We didn't even see it coming. But now it's here. And God is moving. Everything that we're expecting, everything that we've been praying for, is now finally here. Amen. Because God said it would. There's a particular type of amnesia called disassociative fugue. Most amnesias, yeah, don't worry about that. 
Yep. Amnesia. A type of amnesia. Most amnesias, you still remember who you are, you just forget details. That's almost every type of amnesia except this one. This one you actually forget who you are. And it, it has a few levels, but this particular one is the generalized amnesia, and the individual actually adopts a new identity because all the details of who they were are now completely wiped away. They're gone. So they adopt a completely new identity. Sometimes they'll even have different accents. They'll have different talents, different jobs. I, I saw one example. There was a middle manager. He was passed over for a promotion. They didn't come home from work and was reported as missing by his family. They were found a week later, 600 miles away, living under a different name, working as a sort order cook. When found by the police, this person couldn't recognize any family members, friends, or coworkers, and couldn't explain their complete lack of identification. He knew who he was. He had a name, a different name, but no documentation. Peter, in our story, had a spiritual type of amnesia. God had spoke to him. God had told him, you're a rock, Peter. This isn't who you are. This is who you are. But he forgot that. And he went back to who he was. He went back to everything he was comfortable with, what he remembered, who he used to be. I go a-fishing. In conclusion, just a, a word of warning. Don't believe for one second that God is going to treat you the same way you treat Him. And what I mean by that is, I think it's fair to say that we've all failed God in one form or another. We haven't all completely lived up to every expectation Jesus had for us. And we can get to believing that oh, God's going to do that to us. That's what I would do. That's what everyone else has done to me. I let God down. He's going to let me down. But folks, God's not a man. God doesn't work that way. He's God Almighty. God doesn't do for us because of what we do or don't do. He works in our life because of who we are. We are His son. We are His daughter. And He's not going to hold anything about the, those things against you. We come to Him in repentance. He forgives us of our sins. And they're gone. He doesn't remember them anymore. We will. Only God can forget. We can't. You're always going to remember all of that stuff. But God doesn't. He'll not hold it against you. He'll not consider that when looking for people to use. He's spoken to us as to who we are. What I thought I knew, 
what I thought I understood about who I am? That's irrelevant now. It's rewritten. It's deleted and, and redone according to His will, according to His plan. God called us into a, a covenant relationship with Him. And when He did, He transformed us into His likeness. He gave us His nature, His character. And He set us on a path, a lifelong path, whereby we would become Christ-like. We would become like Him. We would look, think, act, speak as He does. Amen. I had a really cool story, but we don't have time. Let's all stand. Stay tuned for part two. Amen. God is so good to us. He is so awesome. And the plans that He has for us, church, we can't even imagine what God has in store for us. What God is going to do in us and through us. Amen. You may have heard that your entire life. But folks, I'm preaching the Word of God to you. I'm preaching what thus saith the Lord. This is what the Bible says. And it may contradict everything you've experienced, but it's the Word of God. And I, I, if you'll walk in it, if you'll accept it and walk in it, just see what God will do. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come to You now and we pray in Jesus' name that we would receive the Word of the Lord tonight. Not from this individual, but from the Lord our God. We receive Your Word. We receive Your plan, Your precepts, Your judgments, Your commandments, Your testimonies. Hallelujah, Jesus. They are light and they are life unto us. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would accept the fact that we are children of the Most High God, that we are not beggars, we're not paupers, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we live and walk in power and in authority, that we represent You in this world, that You desire to do great things through us. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray for Your people. I pray for those within the sound of my voice that we would receive Your Word tonight, that we would live it, that we would walk in it, that Your name would be glorified in us and through us. Protect us as we go our separate ways. Bring us back to your house at the day appointed. Use us mightily. Get great glory to your name in our lives. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for your kind attention. Uh, You're dismissed.